Alright, what's going on everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Buffalo Beat Podcast. My name is Joe Biscalia. Thanks for joining me on our live room pregame episode of the week. The Bills are 9-6. and six. They are 6th in the AFC. My, how things have changed from where they were just a few weeks ago. And they are on the verge of potentially clinching the playoffs as long as they beat the Patriots in this uh, coming 1 o'clock. By the way, I'll say it again, 1 o'clock, which is amazing. Um, and we have rarely gotten these one o'clock games, but one o'clock game went over the Patriots and then they need a couple of other games to go their way. The two most likely, uh, of all the per- permutations based on opponent would be the Seahawks defeating the Steelers and the Chiefs defeating the Bengals. If those two things happen along with the Bills win, the Bills are in. So I am here to take all of your Bills related questions as we get ready for this upcoming game. Uh, it's somewhat of a revenge game for the Bills because, well, the uh, the last time they saw the Patriots, it uh, did not go relatively well. They surrendered a late score to a Mac Jones led uh, led operation to lose in pretty horrific fashion, really, based on how much talent that they have and, you know, losing that sort of a game to that type of team, to which the Patriots have only won four games this year, and they have won over the Bills. So there's going to be a certain amount of, I suppose, wanting to serve up some retribution uh, involved here because now the Bills are at home. They've got a lot on the line. They're playing much better as of late. And now we'll see if they can actually put this thing together and maybe even clinch a playoff spot by the end of uh, end of Sunday. So we shall see. All right, let's get to your questions. If you um, have never joined us before on the live room episode, uh, by all means, all you have to do is write in the athletic app, type your question away. I'll get to as many as I can. And of course, uh, I will be leaving to go to the stadium, you know, around like 10.55 or so just to get over there for Sean McDermott's press conference and whatnot. So uh, by all means, fire away and, and we'll get to as many as we can. All right. Jonathan G writes in any inkling of hope for Matt Milano to come back, even if it were late in the postseason. Now, there is a little bit of uh, uncertainty here with this one, just because when Sean McDermott was asked about it in mid-November, he basically said it wasn't looking great for a return for Milano. I asked him about it a month, maybe a little over a month later, and he effectively said the same thing. And then when he was asked to clarify whether or not that included the postseason, he said he hadn't really asked about that. So that's the small glimmer of of hope that there could be if Milano would potentially have a chance at returning this year. But everything we have heard from the organization so far is that you know, it's it's an unlikely in an unlikely scenario in, in 2023. And the rest of this season, I should say, because I know some will go out there. Well, they, they didn't say you're not saying 2024 and the playoffs are in 2024. I think they want to be cautious with it because he's so important to them. 
and sign for a long time and they don't want to push it. Milano has been around the facilities, seen him walking around the locker room. Um, haven't really seen him do any to the side work during practice or anything like that. And that is usually a good, it's usually a good point of clarity as to whether or not someone might be thinking about making a return. Uh, like last year, we saw that with Micah Hyde a bunch, really from November in the snow game when they had to go to Detroit to play the Browns. That was really the first time where it was like, okay, maybe Micah's starting to think about this thing. And then he wound up trying and would have been ready to go for the AFC Championship game had the Bills advanced. Of course, they didn't. Lost to the Bengals and and so be it. So we don't know for sure, Jonathan, about Milano just yet. But all they have done to this point is cast doubt upon it. So, you know, if you're an optimist and say, hey, if they, they make it to the Super Bowl, why not? You know? I, I cannot sit here and completely rule it out based off what I have heard. But they are still just kind of casting doubt on it themselves for a return in season. And I guess we'll see once we, we get to, if Milano starts working out along the sidelines, then that could be a thing. But we have not seen anything like that to this point in time. Andrew writes in, any updates on Daquan Jones, the defensive tackle? Uh, my guess is he will be activated by the time they play on Sunday. The, their last chance to do it will be Saturday uh, afternoon at some point, and that's when all roster moves have to be in. They could even do it before then. They could do it tomorrow, but they cleared a spot already. Like They, they cut Jermaine Effetti probably with the idea to bring him back to the practice squad immediately, so that way they still have him in, in-house. But the roster spot is clear. So my guess is that Daquan Jones will be added to the active roster. He's been a full participant in practice. Uh, well, he was on the walkthrough on Wednesday. And then the fully padded practice on Thursday, full participant. So that is looking good for them. And my guess is this will be like a ramp-up game for him. Before things get really real against the Miami Dolphins... I would anticipate them getting Daquan Jones out there, having him be in the finger quote starting lineup, even though they might dial back his snaps a bit in this game. I think it would just be good for them to kind of slowly get him reacclimated to the game speed, the physicality of the game, because there's only so much you can do in a practice setting. So I think things are looking up for Daquan Jones this week and my guess is he is in the lineup, and that probably means, you know, somebody like uh, Puna Ford, who had a great game, he might be left on the inactive list just because Daquan Jones is back and they want to get him some time out there. That leads to a good lead into Connor's question. Is Puna Ford going to be active this week after his strong showing against the Chargers? I really like what Puna Ford did in that game. I thought it was his best game as a Bill to this point, not only from the flash, but there was also substance to his game when you go back and watch the film. Actually, I thought a lot of the defensive tackles had a pretty strong game. Ed Oliver was outstanding. Tim Settle, I thought, had one of his best games of the year. Puna Ford, definitely his best game of the year in my mind. 
Linval Joseph was was fine. I mean, you're not really asking him to do much more than to just, you know, occupy space in the middle of their defensive line as that one technique. But with Daquan Jones coming back, potentially, that's a that's a bit of a game changer because then you have to play the inactive game a little bit. There is at least a chance in my mind that AJ Epinesa returns this week. I don't know if it will absolutely happen, but he is out of the non-contact jersey as of yesterday and might be similar to Daquan Jones where they want to ramp him up a little bit before the a big game against the Miami Dolphins. So I would not be surprised if Epinesa is active. And if he is, then they're running out of spots because on the defensive line, you're not going to keep all, let's see, 11 defensive linemen active for the game. That's kind of doing yourself a disservice here. You have to make someone inactive. So whether or not that's that's Puna Ford or maybe it's Kingsley Jonathan, even though Kingsley Jonathan might be a little bit uh, of a special teams asset, there's at least a chance that Puna Ford is active. But I have to go and and uh, check the numbers because now one of the five inactives that are normally a shoe-in is off the roster, and that's Jermaine Effetti. So you're going to have Alec Anderson likely be inactive again. He's He's been inactive every single game this year. You're going to have a safety inactive. My guess is Kair Elam probably is inactive. And then after that, you need to make decisions. Are you calling up Leonard Fournette for Ty Johnson? And if that happens, then you have to make six players inactive. So it's really all dependent upon what they value the most. And it could end up coming to a situation where they need to make both Kingsley Jonathan and Puna Ford inactive. So I don't think it's a guarantee. They clearly believe in Tim Settle more than they believe in Puna Ford. And if Daquan is is healthy enough to play, then that reduces the odds significantly here. Next question. Peter writes, and this is along the same lines, will they actually consider healthy scratching Vaughn when Daquan is ready to come back? My guess is no. And if you listen back to the comments from defensive line coach and assistant coach uh, Eric Washington from Thursday, he basically said that Vaughn is doing things that you don't see that has helped the overall operation and that from what he has done throughout his career deserves the leeway to find his way back to perhaps his his ability. Sean McDermott also said, playing time is earned. And there are many out there, including myself, that wonder what Von Miller has done outside of a handful of snaps out of his 243 total this season to warrant that playing time. I mean, I just looked at Kingsley Jonathan had seven snaps against against the Chargers. He was impactful on two of them. 
really good edge contain. And he showed some pass rushing ability in the summer. And he has special teams, uh, a special teams background. So that, that would be at least a consideration for me, just based on what we've seen from Von Miller, because he's just getting washed out very easily. And the one example that um, Eric Washington alluded to was how he upheld his his uh, rush lane to kind of pin Easton Stick in the pocket so that way Puna Ford could uh, come down with a sack. But at the same time, that's not overwhelming ability to the point where you can't trust someone else to do to do that in the same spot. But I do think that they're going to continue to allow Von Miller the time and space to try and get himself back on track before the postseason gets here. And if he continues to be ineffective throughout the postseason or after the first postseason game, as long as they get there, maybe they reevaluate. But they are trying to unearth that impact player that they had before he tore his ACL last year. So to answer your question, Peter, probably not. I mean, if I if it were me, based on what I have seen, I would consider it. But they're looking at the ceiling outcome and trying to get their themselves closer to that ceiling outcome and so my guess is he's in this week. He's in against the Dolphins. And then we'll see from there. Tom writes in a lot of defensive line questions today. How about signing Leonard Floyd long-term? Well, there is at least a, a slight flaw in that, Tom. And how are you finding the cap space to do it? They have a lot of money due already. Now, they could do some things to find their way back to re-signing Leonard Floyd, which is, you know, cutting Tredavious White, which could open up $10 million. They could cut Von Miller, designated as a post-June 1st, and that opens up some space. They can cut Deontay Hardy, which opens up a not a ton of space, but at least some. But Leonard Floyd is having the type of year that's probably going to get him a pretty nice contract from someone this offseason. And then you kind of wonder, okay, should you throw more money onto the pile, especially with Greg Rousseau starting to pop as your defensive end, and then just hope for the best with Von Miller next year being, you know, that much more removed from his torn ACL? And then potentially drafting a pass rusher. Do you do that? Or do you sign Leonard Floyd? And the other piece to this is Leonard Floyd could probably get them a pretty nice compensatory pick based on the season he's had. I'm sure the Bills wouldn't rule out bringing back Floyd, but his value might just be so much higher on the open market to the point where they're just like, okay, well, let they signed him 
really late into the process. It was around the spring workouts that it happened. Maybe it's just they go, okay, that was great for one year, got us through it. And then they hope for the best that Rousseau and Von Miller can can get them where they need to go from this point forward. And then maybe they depend on Kingsley Jonathan a bit more. Uh, maybe they draft somebody and that's their four pass rushers. Maybe they re-sign Shaq Lawson for another year because, I mean, heck, they just keep re-signing him to one-year veteran minimum deals. And he loves it in Buffalo. They love him. So that's another person in the rotation that they trust. So I just don't know if they can find the cap space to do it because of how much they have due already and how much they have already kicked stuff, kicked the can down the road on a lot of these contracts. And then the Gabe Davis conversation enters in. And I know not many are like super keen on them re-signing Gabe Davis to a long-term extension, but the Bills might be more keen about it than the fans are because they really like him. So my guess right now is that Floyd probably goes elsewhere for a big contract and the Bills can kind of recoup a a compensatory pick from that perspective. But I'll never say never because the defensive line and keeping it as impactful as it has been is a priority to Brandon Bean. There's also this part of it. Daquan Jones is a free agent. Tim Settle's a free agent. And Settle probably won't be a priority to resign, but they could bring him back to a relatively cost-effective deal. But Daquan Jones, who are you who would you rather have moving forward? Daquan Jones next to Ed Oliver unlocking him? Or Leonard Floyd? It's a tough one. I don't think they'll be able to bring back both. If they are, that'll be a very nice job by them. But those are two players in their 30s, and I think you might have to pick one if you pick any with the cap space stuff that they have going on. All right. Uh, Chris writes in, does Justin Shorter make an appearance over Deontay Hardy? I would anticipate that Justin Shorter is probably going to get shut down at some point. Um, I just don't know a way to get him on the active roster unless it's like a someone gets hurt by the before his practice window is over because what are you adding him as you're adding him as as your sixth receiver you're probably not trusting him on offense he's not a return guy so that so the value of Deontay Hardy supersedes him there you're probably not taking one of your core special teams guys out of the lineup So unless someone that has a pretty hefty special teams background gets hurt to the point where they need to put them on injured reserve, my guess is Justin Shorter probably stays on injured reserve and this this year serves as a redshirt year and he comes back next year with the hopes of cracking the 53-man roster and continuing on. But they just don't. They don't need him and they don't have a spot for him right now. If he is on the 53-man roster at some point, then maybe that's a conversation to be had. But I will say this for Deontay Hardy. On one of the Bills' big plays against the Chargers, 
He was on the field. I think it might have been on the Shakir play. He was on the field um, on the same side. And he took the defenders with him because they were scared of his speed, which opened up Shakir. I'm pretty sure it was that play. I need to need to double check. But that's that's what it showed on the film. Like, oh, okay, Deontay Hardy. I mean, there was some added value from him. And he's not out there all the time. He had four snaps this past game. So it wasn't as though he's going to have this super big role moving forward where you just absolutely, yeah, it was it was that Shakir play. Uh, the receivers on the play were Stefan Diggs, Khalil Shakir, and Deontay Hardy. Hardy was lined up on the same side as Shakir. And when the Chargers sent pressure, two defenders went with Hardy and which opened up Shakir on the underneath where he was wide open. So you got to tip your cap to him there. And I don't know that Justin Shorter is going to command the same respect in that perspective from that perspective. So my guess is Hardy stays in the lineup regardless of uh, Justin Shorter being up and Justin Shorter would get a game day role only if there are, there are multiple injuries to special teams player. That's, that's just my, um, my uh, read on the matter for now. Marty writes in thoughts on the MVP conversation. It's a fascinating finish with so much uncertainty about the favorite at this point in the season. Al is in Allen is in the statistical mix, albeit not the front runner on Vegas odds. He should be in the mix because he outside of like a lull mid year, which a lot of guys go through. He's if, if the bills don't have Josh Allen, under center, it's it's a completely different equation. Even when he was going through some bad times, he still put together some nice throws, some nice drives, everything like that. And the way that they have, I guess, the way he has galvanized the, the operation since Joe Brady took over is, is definitely one of those things to pay attention to. I probably wind up thinking that Lamar Jackson comes away with it. Just because even though, you know, maybe from a statistical perspective, it's not as overwhelming as the year that he did win it, but he is so important to how that Baltimore team has been what they have been this year. But it's it's wide open. And if the Bills wind up going 11-6, and six, finish things up, grab the AFC East, There is a strong case for Josh Allen to be the MVP this year. Going from 6 and 6 to 11 and 6, the offense completely turning it around, having the stats to back it up. Now of course, the Bills would need the Ravens to hold their own and beat the Dolphins. And if they were to do that, then maybe that just secures it for Lamar Jackson anyway, but I don't know. I think there's at least a there's at least a chance here that that Allen at least makes it into top five consideration, if not top three, and potentially win it if they if they continue on this stretch that they're on. I could I could absolutely see him being right in the mix in the top two or three. 
Michael writes in, how do the Bills avoid the slow start that doomed them against the Patriots in the first game and almost lost them the game last week in Los Angeles? Well, turnovers are a piece of this. And specifically the Chargers game. I think more attention to for Josh Allen on his throwing platform is going to be really important this week just because there were a lot of missed opportunities in that game because he didn't set his feet. And it wasn't always because there was a defender about to hit him. That, that happened once or twice. But he was throwing from an uneven base and his his body was working against his arm and we saw a lot of inaccurate throws because of it. And that's going to be something that he sees on film right away and it's going to go, God, I need to be better than that. And I'll go back to my familiar stance that I've been saying for years with Josh Allen is, is that when there is something notably wrong with his technique, he usually fixes it within a one week span and then it just can, and then it's fixed for a while until until he kind of uh, loses focus on that after a a good handful of games and then you kind of reset the counter a little bit here that is my guess about what is what is going to happen this week i think he's going to have an enhanced focus on keeping his feet underneath him to the point where it, it allows his accuracy to be much better is I mean he watched the film I watched the film there are quite a few opportunities missed because of his footwork so if he can rectify that then I think they can get off to a fast start maybe even put this thing to uh to rest before the fourth quarter even gets here we'll see Michael writes in, when is the earliest the Bills can get out of Von Miller's contract? So Von Miller effectively signed a six-year deal that basically boiled down to a three. A two, if they hadn't done a restructure, but based on their cap situation, they needed to restructure his contract, push the money down the road. Uh, this this past season to where it doesn't make it as conducive to moving on ahead of the 2024 season. So in 2024, 6.435 million of his salary becomes guaranteed. But if they were to cut him with a post-June 1st exemption which uh, which means they move the majority of the dead money to 2025 they would be able to save according to over the cap 6.8 million on the 2024 cap it would not be ideal because you are uh, pushing a lot of that dead money 15 million of it to 2025, but you're, you would be spreading it out over two years as opposed to just taking the lump sum this year and being able to create some space in the meantime. 
But because of all of the free agents that they have coming up on the defensive line, A.J. Epinesa, Shaq Lawson, Leonard Floyd, Daquan Jones, Tim Settle, Puna Ford, Linval Joseph. The only people that they have signed are Greg Rousseau, Von Miller, Kingsley Jonathan, and Ed Oliver. That's it. So I'd probably think unless something dramatically changes in either his on-field or off-field situations, that Miller is probably on the Buffalo Bills in 2024 rather than taking those cap hits. Because once they get into 2025, they can cut him, save eight point around $8.5 million in 2025 and not have to worry about any residual cap hits in 2026 and beyond. So yeah, they they need to hang on to defensive linemen here. So that's why I'm thinking they're hoping that Von Miller turns the corner here, both literally and figuratively, and is able to show that he still has some game left. And I suppose the hope would be is that once he gets back next year, that much more removed from his uh, torn ACL surgery, that he'll be a lot closer to the player he was in 2022 before the injury than he was throughout the duration of 2023 since he's been back. Jacob writes, can the Bills get to the number two seed? Yes, it's a pretty clear path now that the Chiefs lost to the uh, lost to the Raiders last week, because now the best the Chiefs can do is get to 11 and six. So if the Dolphins lose this week to the Ravens, the Bills beat the Patriots, then the Bills beat the Dolphins. The Bills win the division, guarantee themselves a, a home playoff game, at least one, and it would be two. If they were to win the wild card round. And then, because they beat the Chiefs in the regular season, would win that tiebreak. So they would be the two seed. Pretty simple path. But they would need the Ravens' help to do it. And they would need to take care of business themselves and win out. It's not an implausible situation. But if the Dolphins do lose or do win against the Ravens, the Bills' hopes of winning the division go down. And it pretty much, unless some weird things happen over these final two weeks, there are there is a good chance that the Bills will be traveling to Kansas City for the wild card game, which is just really something. It would be the three six matchup. Cleveland has a better AFC or a better conference record. They are now at eleven wins, so the Bills cannot pass them. They they cannot have a better. AFC record than the Browns. So they are effectively, if the Bills make it to the playoffs and the Dolphins beat the Ravens, the best the Bills can do, and I'll double check this, but the best the Bills can do is get to the sixth seed. 
Yeah, Cleveland has an 8-3 and three conference record. The Bills have a 5-5 five and five conference record. So even if Cleveland loses next week and the Bills win both of theirs, Cleveland will still have an 8-4 and four conference record ahead of the Bills' 7-5 and five conference record. So that would mean the Bills are the sixth seed. And the only hope that the Bills wouldn't play the Chiefs in that situation is if the Chiefs lose out and whoever wins the AFC South wins out. But like I said, doesn't really feel like that's going to happen. Even though Kansas City has struggled, doesn't really feel like that's going to happen. All right, I've got one time for one more question, and then uh, I'll do the prediction for the game, and then uh, I'll be heading over to see what Sean McDermott has to say. Let's see. JP from Brazil writes in. Brazil! Love it. We had Mexico City last week with Ernesto, and now we have JP from Brazil. This is awesome. Do you think Leonard Fournette could be a key player in the rest of the season? Yes, only because I think they might want to give Ty Johnson another week. He was still in a non-contact jersey yesterday, and I guess the, the term key would be relative based on your expectations. Do I expect him to tap into James Cook's hold on the starting job? No, because they seem like they really committed to James Cook last week and giving him a ton of snaps. Borderline 70% of snaps this past week against the Chargers, even though he made a couple of mistakes. They know that he is a huge piece to their puzzle of winning a Super Bowl this year, and I don't think they want to go away from him. So if we're talking about a... 10 to 15 snap roll, or I should say a 5 to 15 snap roll, I think that is definitely a possibility moving forward for the rest of the regular season to get Ty Johnson a little bit more healthy. But that's that's where it caps for me, unless Cook continues to have these fumbling problems and and then we go from there. But I'm not, I don't foresee that. I think Cook will be okay. I think he'll have a bounce back game this week. Even He still had some really nice plays against the Chargers. But I think he'll have a bounce-back game this week against the Patriots, and uh, and the Bills will further entrust their uh, their backfield in James Cook. All right, let's uh, get to the Shaq Lawson Meditation Prediction Hour, which features, again, Bills at 1 o'clock. The Bills are 13-point favorites. The total is 40. I mean, I'm clearly going to take the Bills to win this game. I think the Patriots had their weird one of the last few games win where Bill Belichick, it it always seems to happen with him, even when he's got bad teams. Um, They got their weird win last week against the Broncos. I expect the Bills to come out this one with a strong statement. And even if it's not like a complete teardown of the Patriots, I'm expecting them to do pretty well in this one. I think there will be a major emphasis from the entire offense to be a bit more sharp this week than they were a week ago. That being from the footwork from Josh Allen that I talked about, you know, securing the football, 
albeit through drops or fumbles, everything along those lines. I think they're, the Bills sense an opportunity to complete this, this mission that they've been on since they lost in Philadelphia and to secure themselves a spot in the postseason at least and then see what the heck happens with Miami and Baltimore. But they have a clear opportunity here with a win and then a loss from Pittsburgh or Cincinnati or Jacksonville. At some point in the next couple of weeks, that means they're in. So I'm expecting a strong statement. Uh, I think they're going to give Bailey Zappi a bunch of trouble and Zappi, again, falls into line with the the outlook that Sean McDermott has always done pretty well against these inexperienced quarterbacks. I think that will continue, and my guess is the Bills win this one. I say they'll—it's tough. That that 13-point spread is is a difficult one, but I think they'll cover it just because of the home element. The fact that they lost to New England the last time around. The fact that they're going up against Bailey Zappi. I think there will be some turnover potential there. I think the Bills will win this one. I think the uh, I think they'll cover. And I'll take the over just because 40 points is a low total. Especially if the Bills have the type of offensive showing that I think they're going to. All right. So... That'll do it for me. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening to this pregame live room episode of the Buffalo Beat Podcast. My name is Joe Biscalia, uh, and we will next talk to you after the game, which will actually be at a somewhat decent hour. I won't have to be uh, burning the midnight oil or the 3 a.m. oil <laughs> like we like we normally do for postgame shows. So, uh, so Bills versus Patriots at 1 o'clock. The Bills have a chance to clinch with a win and a couple of games going their way. We'll see what happens. We will talk to you after the game, and uh, we'll see if, if Bills are indeed playoff bound and if they have a shot at the AFC East. Talk to you then.